It is Dyslexia Awareness Month, and we are here to give you the 411. Yep. So get ready to learn all about dyslexia, what it is, how to spot it, and what to do. Go ahead, shake that jar of sprinkles and celebrate your role as a mom. I'm Stephanie Fleece. And I'm Michelle Fortin with City Mom Collective. And our hope is that this podcast brings a smile to your face, a skip to your step, and a sprinkle or two to your mundane. This is Just Add Sprinkles, Celebrating Motherhood, a podcast by City Mom Collective. Welcome back to Just Add Sprinkles, Celebrating Motherhood. This is episode 89, and today we're covering a topic I know a lot about, dyslexia. Yeah, it's Dyslexia Awareness Month, and I did not know much about it, to be honest, but I learned a lot prepping for this episode. And of course, Steph, conversing with you over the years. Can you share a little bit real quick here at the top more about why you know about this topic and why it's important to you? Yeah, so uh, I have three children and two of which uh, have received a formal dyslexia diagnosis over the past uh, few years. And so this is a topic that is real personal to me, Uh, but I'm going to be really honest. I didn't know anything about it uh, until we started our own journey and navigating the complexities that is dyslexia. Uh, But the truth is there are so many kids, I think it's one in four children uh, have dyslexia. And so it goes undiagnosed for a lot of kids. And uh, I'm just early on kind of trying to navigate the complexities and and the gift is a real gift uh, to be able to uh, support my kiddos as they navigate their own challenges, uh, especially in academia. Now, you have two of your girls. Is Is there a genetic component to dyslexia? It, there is, yes. And so uh, that that was something early on that uh, we discovered. And one of my parents uh, is nearly certain that they uh, have dyslexia, but it just would have gone undiagnosed for so many years. Um, and, wow. so, and so they would have just kind of naturally developed their own coping mechanism. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so there's a lot more research on it nowadays and a lot more people speaking out about kind of the uh, best strategies for teaching reading, not just to dyslexic kids, but to all kiddos that are learning to read. So there's a lot of things that um, are happening right now that are great, uh, but it still is kind of that a lot of people just don't know exactly what it is and um, you know what to look for in our own kiddos. So we wanted to make sure with uh, October being Dyslexia Awareness Month that we bring you some information because, again, if one in four kiddos have dyslexia, yeah. then I think as moms, it's helpful to us if it's not our own kiddos. There's definitely kiddos in your kids' lives yeah. uh, that, are, that are experiencing that themselves. Yeah, sure. So obviously, Steph, you're a great resource on this topic, but we also have an expert that we've brought in. It's your girl's tutor, actually, Nicole Chaffee. Hi, my name is Nicole Chaffee, and I am so excited to be part of the Just Add Sprinkles podcast. I am an elementary classroom teacher with over 20 years of experience. I have my master's degree in curriculum and instruction, and I'm a certified Orton-Gillingham practitioner. I've had my own private tutoring practice since August of 2021. October is Dyslexia Awareness Month, and as a mom of two children with dyslexia, I hope to share some information on what dyslexia is, some early identification signs, and next steps if you suspect your child or someone you know may have dyslexia. What is dyslexia? Dyslexia is 
an unexpected difficulty with learning to read despite a person's high intelligence. It is neurological and it is not a reading disorder. It affects 80% of those identified with a learning disability. Uh, I did not know dyslexia is not a reading disorder. Yeah, you know, it is really fascinating as I have uh, done more research on my own and really trying to understand the complexities of it to discover that my girls' brains are just, they were born from the womb processing things differently than everyone else. And it really is fascinating. Even my sister-in-law, who's in education, she's a second grade teacher. She was sending me some pictures of brain activity that has been proven like of a dyslexic reader's brain and a traditional reader's brain, like what that, how that looks different as they read. It's very interesting. Yeah. Cause you think about it as, you know, when someone says they're dyslexic or I hear about someone being dyslexic, I only think about flipped letters. Yeah, that in my very naive mind, I only think the thing that they struggle with is flipped letters and therefore reading. That would be the only problem is reading. But it's, you know, like Nicole's saying and you're saying it's a it's a neurological issue in their brains where one of the ways you see that is reading difficulty. Yeah. And dysgraphia is actually something that most dyslexic kids have, which is um, some complexity with math. Uh, as well. And so it can definitely filter into a number of other different areas uh, when it comes to being in school for kiddos. What were some of the early signs you noticed in your girls? You know, I was really fortunate enough that my one of my daughter's second grade teachers had reached out and just expressed some concerns with uh, her delayed kind of reading, um, you know, where, where she was at compared to her peers uh, now, she didn't uh, allude to her having any formal diagnoses of any sort, but uh, it really helped me to start asking some important questions about, like, is there something else going on that I think I should we should be aware of? And so uh, really, it was mostly like her delayed uh, reading development and that it's usually found in the first and second grade. It can be spotted earlier, but that's kind of um, initially where that started. Uh, with our youngest, uh, we actually discovered it earlier than that. Hmm. So, yeah. Well, Nicole uh, does have some more information for uh, what to watch for. You may be able to identify some warning signs as early as preschool. For example, if your child mispronounces words, my daughter used to say punch instead of SpongeBob or popcorn instead of popcorn. They may say stuff and things instead of accurately naming objects, and they may have trouble naming shapes. They may have inconsistent or slow letter name recall and difficulty learning the letter sounds. At the elementary school age, your child might have trouble learning the letter names and sounds and may confuse the letters B and D, although this is common until about third grade. Your child may focus on beginning or ends of the word and skip over or confuse words. They may avoid reading altogether, and they may take a long time to complete assignments. Often, they have an easier time comprehending text that is read aloud than something they read on their own. This is so interesting. You know, my daughter struggled with some of this. She would uh, confuse B and D and kind of flip those around when she was writing. 
she was a, a slow reader. She still is a little bit. And at school, they did test her for dyslexia, but she doesn't have it. So while some of these may be warning signs, if your kiddo is doing some of this before third grade, it could be normal development and not dyslexia. Right. And we'll link to a number of resources in our show notes, but here are just a few other warning signs for you to be aware of as fellow moms. Uh, First is a difficulty acquiring vocabulary or using age-appropriate grammar. Second is confusion with before and after or right and left. That's interesting. Yeah, it is. Sorry, that's interesting because the order of things, that's making so much more sense to me now. It's not just Mm -hmm. what you see on paper, but even that concept. Okay. Yep. Uh, Next is a difficulty identifying or generating rhyming words or counting syllables in words. Mm. The next is a difficulty distinguishing different sounds in words, uh, misreading or omitting common little words. That was a very, that was an indicator for both of my girls. Mm-hmm. Uh, trouble putting ideas on paper, many spelling mistakes, and a difficulty in proofreading. And so, now I assume, yeah. is there a spectrum in dyslexia? You can have it mild or more severe. You know. As I as I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, I am still a novice when it comes to dyslexia. I don't think so, though. Um, I don't think that there is any level of, you know, um, you like you, you have. Right. You just kind of have it or you don't. Uh, I do think that, you know, some kiddos may have dyslexia on a lower scale, like, and may be able to, um, compensate with other tools, uh, faster than others may. So, yeah. Okay. Well, if you do get a dyslexia diagnosis, here is what Nicole advises. So what should you do if you suspect your child has dyslexia? First, I would follow your gut. You know, your child best. Talk to your child's teacher, request a screening for dyslexia or a special education evaluation. In addition, I encourage you to continue to read aloud to your child. My daughter is 14 and we still read together every night. I read a page and she reads a page. This way she can hear what a fluent reader sounds like and she's exposed to rich content and vocabulary. In addition, we have the ability to discuss the content that we are reading together. I also encourage you to be nearby as your child is working on their homework. If they have something that requires a lot of writing, I encourage you to do the writing for them. This eliminates some of the cognitive load that your child may experience if they have dyslexia. This comes in handy for math assignments and lengthy writing assignments. Okay, so Steph, I'm curious, once you got the diagnosis, what is your experience um, with your girls and kind of helping with homework and intervention and and all that? Yeah, so, uh, and this is going to get in in the weeds, but for those of you listening that are in the weeds like I am, uh, I one of my daughters have a, has a 504 with the school, uh, and then one of my daughters has an IEP. And what that means is... Generally speaking, uh, they both are not graded for spelling at all. So any of their writing assignments, like the spelling isn't taken into consideration. And if you saw either of their writings, they I can read them perfectly fine because I, I, I love to read their stories. 
but there are so many misspelled words and that's okay. Like they're getting the practice of writing and handwriting and uh, putting a story together. Uh, and so it is difficult. I will, I will say I'm a firstborn and I love things like perfect. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. to see my own kiddos struggling with something and for it to not look perfect on paper is a challenge to kind of get over. But as Nicole said, you know, really leaning into uh, offering them the, in school, they need accommodations, mm-hmm. certainly, uh, to be able to champion and support their work. Um, but then as also at home, uh, you know, we really advocate audiobooks. Like mm-hmm. one of my, my oldest was wanting to read through all the Harry Potter books and my next really wanted to read them with her. But that would have been a huge stretch for her, uh, not just because of her age, but because with her uh, of her dyslexia. And I was like, how about you and I listen to them on audiobook together? Because that'll be so fun and we can stick with them. And so just adjusting kind of what it looks like for them. And because I want her to feel successful yeah. in it. Uh, but I, I do think, you know, and Michelle, this is actually one thing that I probably shared with you early on, but I really feel like our kiddos are in, uh, a kind of, a season of existence that like they, ha- there's a lot of ways to get around. Like they can do voice to text. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, they, they can listen to almost any book on audio anymore. And so there are a lot of ways for them to still feel supported, but for it to look a little different. Yeah, that's true. We can be grateful for the the day and age yeah. that we're in now. And I do have to say the Harry Potter audiobooks are a delight to listen to. We've yes. we've done that on road trips. <laughs> yes. That guy who reads them is amazing. Yes. Um, yeah. Quick question. Um, what's the difference between a 504 and an IEP? So uh, both of them are legal documents with the state. Uh, and a 504 is... I think my daughter's 504 is maybe one or two pages that outlines the accommodations that the school has to legally provide to her um, as part of her dyslexia diagnosis. And so a 504 can also be issued to a child uh, with any other kind of um, learning needs or support needs. Uh, But because our daughter has dyslexia, that's why she has the 504. Uh, that also means that she has the option of uh, doing math and reading tests in a small group or given more time. The accommodation of time is a huge part of dyslexia because, again, we talked about the brain mapping neurologically of how your uh, dyslexic's brain works as opposed to traditional readers. Um, the dyslexic's brain, um, it almost it just takes more time for them to process exactly what that word is, what it sounds like, what it what the word is, and then what the meaning is of it. And so it's almost like your brain is like spaghetti. It's going different different wires, different places where there's one main area of processing the traditional reader's brain kind of processes a reading through. So um, extra time is important. Now, an IEP is issued through um, the special ed department of a school. Uh, You have to go through the evaluation uh, to be able to get an IEP. Uh, That is also state legal binding uh, documentation that requires the school to provide accommodations, but then also written down goals for where the student should be 
each year. And then you have an IEP team that uh, works with you to ensure that those things are met throughout the year. So we could do a deep dive on those two things we with should. probably we should other do, people. Yeah. If you're listening and you have experience with this, you have kids with 504 or an IEP, I think it'd be really informative to kind of dive into what those are, what your rights are as a parent and how to advocate for your kids. So shoot us a note on social media and let us know if that's something you'd be interested in. Yeah. And this is probably uh, like, I am still just the first couple of years in this. So if anything that I said was inaccurate, I'm like, forgive me, the IEP and 504 wizards of the world that know all this stuff, but I'm, we're going through our own uh, journey through all of it, but that is what I know. So but uh, Nicole does have one and a final quick thought for us that we want to share with you. You know your child best and you are their best advocate. Your child is amazing in every way. And dyslexia is just a small part of who they are. So celebrate all of their wonderful qualities and celebrate their the gift of dyslexia. Both my children have developed incredible tendencies to work hard and strive for their best because they've had to work extra hard. Steph, you did mention this before. You do agree with Nicole and that you think dyslexia is a gift. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's a challenge when it comes to the traditional school learning environment that many of our kids are going through. But I think in the end, the dyslexia is what is building tenacity and Mm. bravery and courage and hard work um, that I don't know if I'd ever be able to manufacture on my own as a mom for my kids. And I, I, I don't cry on this podcast very often, but one of my kids the other day, we were having a conversation and she said, mom, it broke my heart when you told me that I have dyslexia and I just couldn't help but just cry for her because even though I know it's a gift and I assured her that she is learning all of these huge things that a lot of her classmates will not learn until they're adults because they don't have to. Um, But it is, it's hard, you know, it's hard for our little kiddos to have to navigate like social uh, situations where things are harder for them than they are for their peers. Uh, But to Nicole's point, I do think I very strongly believe it's a gift. And I do think even in a few short years, um, my girls will hopefully be able to say like, mom, I am such a hard worker because things didn't come easy to me. And as moms, who have lived life, right? We can mm-hmm. see that, but communicating that to a sweet little girl who's just in the throes of it, um, yeah. that must be really hard. Yeah, it you're is. Doing it's a hard. great job, Steph. You're such oh. a good mom. <laughs> well, <laughs> Our girls are so lucky to have you. Oh, thank you. Well, you know, it's it's hard to watch them struggle and even if you're you've gotten to this part of this podcast and you're like, I don't think my kids have dyslexia or anything. <laughs> But like all of our kiddos struggle with their own things. And so I think leaning into like, what is this opportunity going to build in them that we couldn't create in and of themselves? So, well, 
Uh, I really do appreciate you letting me share a little bit about my story. Uh, I do hope it also helps another mom out there. Uh, Special thanks to Nicole for sharing her expertise with, with us. And even though motherhood can be hard, there are always things to stop to celebrate, even at if it's simply surviving homework. Oh, man. (laughs) So please, fellow mamas, stop to notice those little things and don't forget to just add sprinkles. For show notes and more information on this episode of Just Add Sprinkles Celebrating Motherhood, please visit momcollective.com. There you can find more information on our topic, our guest, and our host, Stephanie Fleece. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a minute to give a review wherever you listen to podcasts so we can keep encouraging moms to celebrate motherhood and just add sprinkles.